Welcome to Well, Why Not? Conversations about opening your mind, then your passport. My name is Deborah, and I'm a first-generation Haitian-American who decided to leave the U.S. several times during my adult life. Currently, I live in Quito, Ecuador, where I've been for the past four years. I'd like to share more about my journey with you and invite others who have taken the leap to move away from the familiar, mainly in the form of immigration or expatriation. Welcome back to Well, Why Not? For those of you who have listened to the previous episodes, I just want to thank you for hanging in there with me. I'm new, if it wasn't very obvious, to this whole podcast universe, and um, I do know that it takes some time to get acclimated and, and used to telling stories in this format and to not drag on stories or ramble. So I just want to thank you for hanging in there and I promise to only get better. So today I wanted to talk about my summer vacations. And for me, um, and I think for a lot of people growing up, summers were, were special. And that was the time you often spent more time with your friends and you you had fewer restrictions. You were able to um, explore, if you were lucky, um, your neighborhood or, you know, and just sort of bop around all day and, and not have to worry about school or homework. For us, it was different because we were usually um, headed to Haiti for the summers. So I didn't have that connection that sometimes gets built with classmates um, during those three months. And I think that it's important also for how I felt about leaving um, later on. The idea of sort of always, you know, culturally being in the two worlds anyway, but almost having two two worlds um essentially because during the school year was one world and my summers was a totally different world and there's so many aspects of of those summers spent specifically in haiti that helped um i think even for my career helped me choose my career path and also the the choice to to travel a lot and to and to expatriate so First of all, the the hard part obviously was leaving my my schoolmates and sometimes hearing about their plans, whether it was like summer camp or things that they were going to do over the summer. And I was, I just knew I was never going to be included in those things, and that was okay. I knew that I also looked forward to to going to Haiti and seeing my family, my cousins, and um, you know just having a, a different type of experience. So I wasn't completely sad, but I did feel like I was missing out on something with them. And um, a lot of my time there obviously was spent with cousins and neighbors and, and it was just a very simple, simple environment. And I, I mean it in the sense, you know, coming from Northern California where pretty much every infrastructure, everything is there. And then going there where electricity is not steady, um, the roads are not guaranteed. You know, there were some good roads and a lot of bad ones. Um, and it, it just a lot of contrasts in that sense. So the luxuries that I was accustomed to during the whole school year, um, I gave those up willingly during the summer. It didn't, 
it didn't really bother me. Um, some of my favorite things to do were playing was playing a game called osle, and it's played with it's like the knuckle bone of of goats, and it sounds weird now (laughs) but growing up it was just what we did um i remember a few years back i uh, was featured in a newspaper about cultural identity and and teaching and passing on traditions to my children and i was in in the article i was teaching my daughter how to play osle and um and again it was i was so proud and so happy to not only be sharing it with her but to be sharing it with other people and this was in south florida so again a, a large haitian community i knew there were going to be a lot of people who who understood and who 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 connected um and then i saw the comments and people were like what like you played with with goat bones <laughs> like did you not have any twi-? like there yeah you know typical internet trolls that really said some some negative things and then made me realize oh it, it does sound kind of weird when you when you think about it but again this was very much the norm and and it was so fun um i wouldn't change it for the world yeah i'm sure that we could have had toys or done something for instance we could probably have taken toys with us um to haiti from california but we never thought to do that because there was plenty to do we jumped rope um in the evening that was a a very um very typical evening for us mainly because the street we lived on there was also a a police station on that street so at night they would block it off and cars wouldn't circulate so that worked perfectly so we would really like it's sundown 6 p.m we would be jumping rope till like 9 p.m until it was time to to go to bed um also the foods that we ate um i remember my favorite fruits um obviously mangoes were great but it wasn't my favorite um we i used to eat it's actually it's called zaman and it's it's Inside is an almond, not the typical almond that you see in the stores in the U.S., but it is an almond. It's a variety of the almond, and you eat the fruit. There's fleshy fruit on the outside, and um, it's sweet. It's tart. Um, there, to me, I you can't really compare it, compare its taste to anything else. And I've tasted a lot of exotic fruits. It's a very specific, and I love that. Um, there's another one that was my favorite called Kenep and that I have seen throughout Latin America. It has, I've seen the name Kenepa and I've seen the name Mamoncillo. Um, and again, it's it's the outside, it looks like a small lime. You break it open and it's sort of a, a, a firm shell or skin. You break it open and then there's this fleshy fruit <laughs> and it's sweet. Um, it could be tart. Some of them are bigger. It's just, uh, and, and it's a summertime fruit. So they were in abundance when we were there. And that was always one of my favorites. And lastly, sugar cane. So we would just eat that you'd buy a sugar cane whole and they would peel it for you. And you would just keep breaking off pieces and, and drinking the juice of it. Um, again, very simple, but it was delicious. And in the summer, uh, a favorite amongst a lot of people. And I think I would say it's probably um, a lot more in season during the summer because I do recall seeing it much more than any other time of the year. So those are like my three favorites to, to eat. And again, this was coming from eating ice cream and donuts and um, you know all sorts of junk food. And yet the simple, those simple fruits in their simplest forms, not 
converted into anything, not made of any, not made into a tart, not made into any special cake. They were just enough for me, more than enough. Um, also, I enjoyed going from neighbor to neighbor. So when we were in in California, my parents sort of kept to themselves. So we didn't have strong relationships with our neighbors. Whereas in in Haiti, we they grew up, they knew, they didn't know the the neighbor, the actual neighbor very well. They knew their parents or they knew their siblings. So there was a lot more freedom for us to just really go around from house to house all day long. Nobody really, I don't remember ever, anyone ever coming to look for me. <laughs> and uh, so that was nice. And I did notice that freedom that I, that I had there that I didn't have um, in, in California. And of course, not having any sort of schedule, that's typical with any, any summer, summer vacation. And had we stayed, which we did end up spending more summers in, in California later on, but, um, it, it, again, it's like you get up when you get up and no, there were no real expectations for us to do anything, but play all day. And I had plenty of people to play with. I had my cousins to play. I mean, it was just, it felt like. A, a version of Disneyland <laughs> where it was all about um, whatever you felt like doing and 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 there just seemed to be a lot to do and then another favorite memory that I have um, was dressing up on Sundays I don't know if this is common all over the country but special or even maybe it's not really common in, in the town I'm from but in our household it definitely was actually I, d I do recall seeing that at least for the whole street that I lived on, all the kids on Sunday afternoon. Um, so you had your Sundays to sort of do whatever you wanted. Some people, you know, the Catholics went to, to mass early on in the day. And my grandma, who was Protestant, went later on in the evening. But you dressed up. Even if you didn't go to anywhere, if you didn't go to church, usually I think it, it was related to going to church. But you just got dressed up as a kid. Um, you always had to have like a Sunday dress. So I remember that too, having, you know, packing those and, and that was just, and I think it was nice looking back on it now, but I certainly didn't like it as much as a kid just because once you got dressed up, you weren't able to play as much. So um, I go back to what would be what I would consider my most impactful summer vacation. Um, and I thought a lot about all those different summers and um, a lot of things happened. I have a lot of vivid memories from those summer vacations, even though I was pretty young. Uh, but I would say in 1995, uh, we went back and we didn't stay as long as we usually we did. I think we ended up staying a month, but that's a pretty long vacation. And I was 15 going on 16. So I probably I understand why it was so impactful because it just it was a different it was a different time for me it was a different I was an adolescent I had a different perspective in terms of the country itself visiting family uh what what life was like there and I remember being very curious so one of the things that was that I think helped to make it so memorable was being able to have more meaningful conversations with family and neighbors and so I was again, really thinking about like, what do you do all day? Like, what's your favorite thing to do? Uh, what, what school like, um, what do you, what are your grades like? And I, I've always been known as the super curious child and had a million questions for everybody. But during that vacation, I think my questions were 
a lot more related to everyday life. And, and it was almost like I was already starting to set that stage of, could I live here? Could I live here? (laughs) I know other people do and they live day to day, but what's that like? Um, I also was able to not only observe the simpler way of life, but really, um, I guess I had a more heightened awareness of what the everyday life was and what that meant. What does it mean to not have electricity 24 hours a day? What does it mean to have to sort of wait until you get water from, you know, from the municipality and fill up your whatever, whether whether you're filling up drums or you're filling up buckets, but what does that mean? Um, what does it mean to go to an open market pretty much every day to get the stuff you're going to cook that day versus, you know, stocking up and, and going to like wholesale markets and, you know, and, and getting supplies for weeks and weeks at a time. Um, what does it mean to not, yeah, to not have refrigerated food? Um, so what do you, what do you eat as junk food? What, what do you, what do you do, you know, just day to day waking up? Like what, a, what is the most important you, thing you do to get your day started? And um, so I was very aware of those things and I asked questions, I think that were more pertinent to just everyday life for teenagers. I spoke to adults and yeah, I mean, they looked at me funny, like, why are you asking? But I still asked and, and I still got answers. And I, and again, I was on top of that observing, just seeing like, what did my grandma do when she got up in the mornings and what was her day like? And, you know, what did my cousin do who was similar in age to me? And what did, what, what did they do for fun? That was another kind of shocker for me. So fun for at least, the, at least my family. And I think a lot of youth there was just very different from what we're used to in the U.S. I think there's a lot, there are a lot more distractions. There are a lot more bright, shiny things in the U.S. Um, I, you know, I, for at 15, 16, your fun is going to the movies or going to the mall. That was a big thing for us. Um, just really just hanging out at the mall. And um, sometimes you shopped a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you just went and ate at the food court and you just walked around. Um, or yeah, you, you went to a movie or you would, you know, I don't remember hanging out at outdoor spaces a lot, but, um, it was just a lot. All of our hanging out was sort of built around another activity or, something that I think had a lot of structure. Whereas I knew there, there weren't malls, there weren't, um, there were movie theaters, but nothing like in the U.S., you know, very small, small rooms. Um, And I didn't see a lot of the bright, shiny things that, you know, I thought were needed to, to have fun as a teenager. So that was a big piece too, for me to understand like what, how did they hang out as teenagers? Because it was obviously different from from what I was used to. And what I saw was they just literally sat and hung out. Um, they didn't need, um, and this was, of course, pre-mobile phones and, and, and smartphones and, and things like that. So there really was nothing in terms of gadgets or big time distractions. Sometimes we literally just walked. We walked from our house and walked to another uh, family member's house or we um, there was a little area that it was sort of I would say like a square a cent- like our town square and people would 
especially on Sundays, go there and walk around. And um, there was ice cream um, being sold there. And But again, it was mostly about just being with each other and not um, being distracted by something while being with each other. So that was that was very different and very interesting for me. And I actually liked it. I, I appreciated the ability for even young people to just be with each other um, and not get bored and not sort of complain. I, I felt like at that age too, as, as a teenager in the U.S., you complain about everything. You complain frustrated for, for no reason really. And um, for them with just very little in terms of luxuries, but they were they were happy just sort of hanging out with each other. Um, so that, I, I think that was my biggest takeaway, being able to do that. So when I went back, obviously, I knew I was going into the different world. I didn't expect to transport any of that, but it stuck with me. It stuck with me as this is a possibility. Like you don't have to be on the go and headed towards something, headed to a party or headed to a gathering or headed to an activity. You just be. So um, I remember I coming back from that trip too, I did spend more time with family and um doing just that being just sitting with family sitting with my uncles hanging out so i started i think hanging around people that were older than me too um which was which was fine which is cool i think i i learned a lot uh from 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 family members who were who stepped into the whole new country experience at different stages and talking to them more about you know what it was like for them when they first arrived and what uh, was hardest for them. I, yeah, I asked, I think it was, I don't know if it was a somewhat of a journalist <laughs> wish or, or a, a journalist bug that was in me at that point, but I just asked a lot. I was very curious and it was, it was always something for me to think about after understanding what it means for someone to come. And I, I actually, after that too, I, I don't know if it's that I sought it out more, but I did make friends with more younger people who had just arrived. So these were um, uh, immigrants who, specifically Haitian immigrants who arrived at the age of like 15, 16, and um, their stories, and they arrived like right after there was a coup um, in around like around 90, 95, let's say, and their experiences and what it was like for them to arrive without documents and, uh, you know, trying to, to make sense of everything because they, uh, for the majority, they, they arrived without any parents. They just arrived with other family members and were trying to, to make it (laughs) the best way that they could. And so that was, that was another piece of it too. So, um, I think maybe their stories made me want to, look at like why why is it so bad why did they have to flee what what is you know historically why why does this keep happening it wasn't the first time obviously a lot of there's a lot of um uh, there was like a mass exodus from from the 70s on and so that too sort of piqued my my curiosity in terms of politics and and um just geography as a whole and looking at the caribbean and neighboring islands and why certain ones thrived more than others. And so that had really helped, I think, set the stage for for my career path. Um, but that vacation, in addition to all those other summers, I think per- also prepared me to be in situations where 
there weren't a lot of luxuries and there weren't a, there wasn't a lot of infrastructure and there were somewhat quote unquote sacrifices to be made in terms of what I was used to and you know what what the new place offered so I really believe that those experiences made it easier and I was not I every time I left uh, whether it was just to visit or to move permanently, I wasn't expecting to find what I left behind. And I think that that's often a, a trap for, for expatriates. They leave their home countries hoping to find some version of what they're leaving behind for cheaper or <laughs> um, different weather. You know, people go for different reasons, but it, it never works out. There, that It's very rare that you're going to find exactly the same or even close to what you're used to in the U.S. One thing I've always said, and I say to, you know, most people who are curious about like my life in the U.S., I just say flat out, there's nowhere like the U.S. And though, although I haven't visited every other country, I know that it is unique. It is unique in in its way of life, um, in the way that cities and, and, um, regions and states and all of that it's just it's very unique the more and more I talk about it the more I realize it that's it's the only place on earth like that so if you leave there expecting to find um, some similarity somewhere else you're often going to be disappointed so that's it for today's episode I hope all this information has given you all a little more insight into my psyche and the way that I view the world and the way that I process information And since we're getting to know each other, if you're listening on Anchor or any other platform that allows this, send me a message telling me about one of your favorite childhood or summertime memories and how it impacted you. I will also be linking down below some of the fruit I referenced as well as the game of Osle so you guys could have a better visual of what I was talking about. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be well.